Welcome to Out from the Cube. It has been a while since we've released and recorded a podcast. I believe our last episode was with Coach Ed Molitor, who runs a business consulting company up in Chicago, and that has been received very well. So if uh, you have not listened to Coach Molitor, go to our last episode. I believe it was episode 94 or 95 and give a listen to Coach Molitor. And there was an episode or two before that where we were actually uh, were with another uh, collegiate coach uh, and his name was Joe Trainer, and he was a football coach up at Vander, uh, not Vanderbilt, up at Villanova and really enjoyed both those conversations as they are uh, athletic coaches that have transitioned into the business world and business consulting and have a story similar to mine, although they were both much more successful and climbed the ladder uh, up in the NCAA to Division I status uh, than I did. But I appreciated their time. Um, the, the one with Coach Molitor, I really enjoyed. Not that I didn't enjoy the one with Coach Trainer, uh, but Coach Molitor, just being in the basketball space, uh, that, that I'm familiar with and some of the names and the people that he knows and that he's tight with, I really enjoyed. And I'd like to have him back on. We've talked a little bit uh, of having him back on just so we can dive into some of those stories that he has of the people that have influenced him and the things he's learned by running teams at a high level and how that uh, correlates and translates into the business world with working with high performance teams professionally. So again, if they, if they are listening, those two in particular, I really appreciated your time and what you're able to do for us in our podcast. But it is April 30th. I um, made a comment in a prior episode that I would release a podcast on April 24th because that would mark our one year anniversary of the podcast. I released my first episode, April 24th of 2018. It is now April 30th. Uh, my nephew's birthday, actually, today of, of 2019, and really wanted to get back into a cadence. I apologize in advance. It is hard to get an episode out. There was a time where we were on a three-episode cadence per week, and the, the, and I'm not suggesting that the podcast is responsible for this, but I've become very busy. Uh, I'm traveling out of the state once or twice a week where I'm working with clients uh, in some other states. And, and again, I don't necessarily say it's just because of the podcast, uh, but uh, it, it does keep me busy. And so it has been difficult to release with the cadence that I would like and lining up guests and things of that nature. I was, have also taken a little bit of a backseat. So I wanted to make sure I had some free time today to, to get with you and just share what's been on my mind, what is in my notebook. That is the one thing. Um, again, if you've listened to this uh, over the past year, you know that uh, my mind has a tendency to go to a number of, of different directions and it, it just has there. No matter what happens in my life, um, my morning rituals, what I do in the morning always stay consistent no matter what I'm doing, no matter how busy I am and no matter where I guess I wake up. If I'm in a hotel in Illinois, which I've been uh, recently, my mornings are always the same. Um, and it, it, it involves, you know, note taking and reading and listening to podcasts and a hot cup of coffee. So those are things, but I was with a client yesterday and I pulled out my uh, notebook because I wanted to, uh, I guess, recite something I had learned or not learned something that was reinforced to me earlier that week. And it's very simple. It was like three words. It's not that profound or anything. Uh, but it resonates with me and I hope it sticks a little bit with you. And if you happen to take notes, I would write this down uh, in my notes. I don't have it open to that page, but essentially what it said is discipline without consistency is worthless, is meaningless. And we were talking about being disciplined and how we run our software teams and how we build standards and how we adhere and uphold those standards. And there has to be a sense of discipline to those standards and holding each other accountable to those standards. But they have to be done with, with consistency, with major consistency and focus and emphasis. And, you know, that, that, that is really a conversation that I had with a client this past week where we really talked about standards and culture and discipline and consistency. And what has me thinking about that is no matter how busy I get, and I'm not suggesting that I am the most disciplined person in the world. I beat myself up on a daily, if not, you know, weekly, if not daily basis with 
my, my consistency in the things uh, that I need to be disciplined on. But I do know that my mornings are very, I am very disciplined. I'm very locked in. And I am, and I'd like to think that I'm very consistent with those things. Um, and so th- th- those things, no matter how busy I get, those things always stay in line. So, but I have, it has me thinking, as I was thinking about the topic for today and going through my notes, you know, and again, it's been a while since we've talked. I hope a few things. I hope that you have started quarter number two out well. This is, you know, and I have a friend, uh, uh, one of my closest friends, if not my closest friend, who's a basketball coach in Chicago, uh, does listen to our podcast. And I, and I think about, I think about him. I think about basketball. I think about athletics. I think about businesses and, and goals and teams and software teams and everything along those lines and how you split and chunk up and focus on work and commitments and goals and improvement. And to me, I just hope that you are, it is April 30th. We are one month into quarter two. If you are chunking your year up into 2019 and focused on 52 weeks and 12 months and, you know, and four quarters, I, and I'm not suggesting this for everybody. Again, I am merely uh, going through the thoughts in my mind and what works for me. But I can't, I can't stay focused, I can't stay motivated, I can't stay consistent, and I can't stay disciplined if I look at things over the full year. I think it's great to have a yearly plan. I think it's great to think in those terms. Uh, but the goals that I want to set for this quarter, uh, I focus on for three months. I, I write everything down. I think everything through. I take copious notes on things that are going on in my life and in my mind and my goals and my personal growth and my clients and my employer and how I can make everything better. But we're one month in to Q2. You know, tomorrow is May 1st. You know, it shortens it up. It shortens the focus. It, it allows you to stay more motivated. It allows you to stay more consistent. It allows you to get back on track quicker as opposed to Shit, I've already messed up this year. I can't, I, you know, I, all the same stuff that I said I wouldn't do in 2019, I'm doing again. I'm not reaching any of my goals. I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not having the impact that I desire. So, man, I hope that I can rally again in 2020. As opposed to sitting back saying, man, this is Q2. You know, I stumbled a little bit in February. I didn't reach, I didn't execute, I didn't demand more of myself, I didn't, I wasn't accountable, I didn't have people reaching out to me that I was accountable to, whatever it is, right? And instead of having that be parlayed into 12 months, four quarters, 52 weeks, all I know is I'm on, I am finishing up round one of Q2. And I'm excited about it because I think round one of Q2 has been an A plus, right? So how do you grade that, Four weeks, not four weeks, not 52 weeks, not 12 months. But I'm just evaluating the last four weeks, you know, and I'm going to tell you, I think it's been, I, I shouldn't say it's been an A plus. My attitude, uh, you know, my, uh, my commitment, my consistency, all that has really been, I think, at a very high level for me. And I'm excited about it. And I'm creating momentum and urgency and, you know, um, being able to get up and and have some juice for the day. I think it's been great. I'm still not achieving what I want. Even though I've got things for Q2, month one of Q2, April, these four weeks, I'm really excited about. I think I've executed. I think I've improved. I think I've gotten better. Um, there are still things that I am like still a C minus on. I gave a, I was fortunate that somebody invited me to speak to their group, their team, a, a, a collection of people inside a, a pretty good company a couple months ago. And this, and I've said this in a prior podcast, and this is not at all meant to sound arrogant. If anything, it's kind of a kick in my pants to get my stuff going again. I said, I think I'm doing, and this is what I said. I think I'm doing extraordinary things. My mind is always set on something great, uh, uh, tackling the day, tackling re- and, and being A plus with my day, my relationships, my kids, my, my clients, like all that. Like my heart, my intent is all A pluses. I'm just executing at a C minus level. 
I am attacking things and my mindset is at an A plus and it's better than it's ever been. But I'm still not there. I still don't have the great action. I still don't have the great commitment. I'm trying my best to be consistent. My intent, my heart is in the right place, but I'm still not where I need to be, if that makes sense. And I, I mess up and I fall down and I struggle and I'm still trying to figure out the sauce to get to the next level because I'm still in the middle. Still in the middle. We've talked about that at least for the last six months of being that we are in the middle. Most of us are in the middle. I'm not sure if any people that are on the, that, that end of the spectrum of just crushing it are listening to this podcast. But I'm still in the middle and I'm trying to figure out the sauce, the recipe, the, the actionable items to get to just move the needle a little bit. Just to move the needle a little bit. It's all just this quarter. It's this week. You know, I think it's week four. I'm rolling into week five of this quarter. And I just know that I want to be better that when this quarter ends than when it started. When it's July 1st, what do I look like? What do my responsibilities look like? What do the the people that are counting on me, what can they expect from me? And how can I provide that and deliver it in in an A-plus manner? What can I do? How, what's that going to look like? What do my clients look like July 1st? Are they in a better spot? Do I think about them and their problems and, and strategize in my mind solutions so I can get them better? So, But, I, but I, I, bre- I break all that down into the quarter. So uh, all that being said, I just really hope that you are focused on Q2 one month in because I'm telling you what, Man, it is really hard. I'll tell you what, and I've never mentioned this before, and it's not—it's nothing that profound or that uh, personal or anything like that. But in college, I made like unhealthy choices, as maybe many of us did. But I smoked cigarettes. I smoked in college, not my proudest moments or by any stretch, at all. But I remember that when I was, you know, had to have a cigarette. And it was like October, November, December, and I'm sitting there going, okay, this is the year. You know, back then it was like 2000, what, three, four, something along those lines. Was it? No, it wasn't. It was like 1993. I'm that old. I just turned 46 a few weeks ago. It wasn't 2003. It was like 1993. Okay, so 1993, 94, November. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do it. I can do it. People have put cigarettes before. People have put smoke in. I know it can be done come up with a strategy. We're just quitting cold turkey. January 1st, quit. January 2nd, where's the pack of cigarettes? Right? And you just, it's so hard. So then you sit there, even if you make it a week and you sit there at the end of that week or whatever, and you're like, man, I've messed up the whole year. The whole year. 1994 sucks. I may as well just keep smoking. I may as well just keep doing what has worked for me or what I'm comfortable doing and what doesn't push me outside my comfort zone, doesn't allow me to get better because I suck and because I'm not good enough and I'm not disciplined enough and I don't have the willpower enough and I don't have the support system or the resources or when something else bad happens, I go to my default, right? And so all of a sudden, the whole year is busted. Right? That's how I, and I don't know if that's how you program. And I'm suggesting that that is definitely how I used to be programmed. And I'm not suggesting at all that I don't stumble and fall and my goals don't happen and I don't let people down and I let myself down and things don't go my way and I've got to get back up. But instead of me sitting around saying 2019 sucks and it's over and it's only April, I know that I at least get to say, well, shit, I'm going to make sure this, this quarter goes well. I'm going to make sure this quarter goes well. And when this quarter's over, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to look at my little goal here, my goal book, the full focus planner I need to get a kickback on. That when I sit here and say, you know what? CrossFit kind of took a sidestep this this time around. You know, getting up and reading and finishing 12 books or whatever it might be, that didn't work. But I get to recalibrate, get to refocus, recenter. 
re-strategize, come up with different tactics on the quarter. And how can I get better now? And it's, it's, it shortens that failure zone. It shortens that victim zone. It, it, it shortens that, you know, complacency zone or whatever you want to call it where you're just sitting around and you throw your hands up and say, I can't do it, but now I can. I'm just going to recalibrate. It doesn't matter. Man, I've, you know what? I had this, these great plans. I'm, I'm opening up to my planner here. I'll tell you what. I had it down right here as I flip through these pages. I'll tell you like three goals I've already messed up this quarter. One, two, three, four, five. I, month of April, I went to CrossFit five times. It was supposed to go 10. Half, half. That sucks, right? And it may not be a big deal, but you know, the goals that you set out for yourself, I'm not quitting on it. It just, it hasn't gone as well as I expected it to. I, and I could come up with all sorts of excuses of why I didn't do it, right? I could sit there and say, Man, I was supposed to have 15 podcasts this month. One, two, three, four, five. This one is six. I recorded two other ones that I didn't drop, didn't, didn't publish. Right? All right. I've just got to get better, recalibrate, get back going today. The year's not busted. My goals aren't busted. My outcomes, my growth, where I want to be, the impact I want to have, none of it is busted. So if you are one, I hope, I hope all that, that's a huge, let me, I don't even know how far we're in. That's 16 minutes of really talk about that. And you, if you've listened to this the past year, you know, I believe in it. I believe in, and my boss says it this way. My boss says that we were having this conversation. It was subtle. It was just, I think me, him, and like three other people. And it was a subtle thing. Uh, but uh, you know, some of these subtle conversations where people just slip some things in, really stick and resonate with me and are impactful to me. Essentially, we were talking about big chunks of work and not getting anything done, nothing. So we're in the software world. If you've, if you've listened, you know that. I am in the software world. Essentially, we were having conversations about work not getting done. And it's not getting done because it's too big. But you know what? It might be getting done, but there's no visibility in it being, being tackled or getting done. There's no, it's hard to move, it's hard to have the visual of big things getting done. So all we did was we made that same box of work into 10 small boxes. Now we're moving smaller boxes to get done. Even though it may be the same things. Let's say we get that big box done in 10 days and we sit there for 10 days and nothing's happening, but we know really on the 10th day, we're going to say done, got it done, bam, done. But we broke it into 10, 10 chunks and now we get one box done a day. That's essentially what we were talking about, but this is what my boss said that was, and it's, it's not that profound but it is subtle and I really like it. And I, I implement into our teams and who we work with and, and the people we consult with and the clients that we have, but I also, it's impactful into my life. Essentially what he said, this isn't verbatim, but essentially what he said was, there's a psychological, uh, there's a psychological power that you've created in everybody's mind about getting things done quicker. It builds momentum. It builds confidence. It builds morale. It builds energy. It builds the juice that you have. It builds collaboration. It builds, it builds all of that. It really does. And you don't think that that happens in your life of just chunking up your, your week, your day, your quarter, your year, instead of sitting around with 12 months, 52 weeks, and then sitting there saying, man, this shit ain't moving. I ain't getting anything done. There's no momentum. There's no juice. There's no urgency. There's no appreciation. There's no acknowledgement, right? As opposed to saying, man, I got a lot done, man. This quarter was amazing. 
That last month, four weeks, man, it was amazing. I'm better off than I was. Just chunk it up. Chunk it up, chunk it up, chunk it up. This also stuck with me. I'm not going to play spoiler here, but I am a Game of Thrones enthusiast. I like it. I was up till 1130 on Sunday night watching the Battle of Winterfell. It was amazing. I had basketball games all day and was just not wanting to watch it, but I ended up watching it and it was 1130. And, and I was like, man, and I was, and then I had to be out of the state with a client early Monday morning. So I had to get up at like 4.30 and drive, but it was worth staying up to watch the Battle of Winterfell. I'm not going to play the spoiler on that. I'm releasing this podcast after that battle and I'm not going to spoil anything. I am going to say this, that there was a scene in Let's just say an episode. It doesn't have to be the last episode. And I'm not spoiling anything. So if you're listening, just turn it off, turn it, or fast forward a couple minutes. But a character, I won't even say that. There's two characters in this. I'm not going to say who they are. But a character looks at another character and apologizes. I'm sorry for everything I did. I'm sorry. The other character looks at him and says, don't be sorry. And this is not verbatim. I didn't take notes on it. I wish I had. I know I'll watch it again and I'll get it verbatim, but I don't have it verbatim right now. But essentially what he said was, don't apologize. Everything you have done has gotten you to where you currently are. And don't apologize for that. Now, he didn't say it exactly like that. right? That is the theme and the idea that he was trying to articulate out. But that's not verbatim. But he's like, don't be sorry where you are and I sat there and listened to that and I'm like man that's really good that's really good to have somebody just look you in the eyes and in the heart and say man I'm sorry for everything I've done and you sit there and say man it's where you are everything you've done is to where to get you to where you currently stand and who you are and what you've become so don't be sorry for it if you don't like what you did then, as an old coach used to say, uh, that, some of, that some of us know, and I uh, seem to quote a fair amount, Coach Meyer used to say, NBA, next best action. NBA, next best action. But it's okay with all the choice. It's okay that in 1993 I didn't, I didn't quit smoking because I didn't have the willpower or the juice or whatever it might be, right? I just didn't get it done. It's okay. Got me to where that maybe part of the reason where I'm where what I'm doing now. Maybe part of the reasons why if my children ever choose to smoke, that I'll light them up, not light up the cigarettes, light up their behinds, right? So everything and what's that have to do with what our podcast is about and what we're doing is set your goals, set high set high achievable goals that you can dream big and you can be do have anything you want in life. You can have the best team, the best product, the best athletic team, the best marriage, the best kids, the best education, the best job, the best clients, all that. Paint it out. And things are going to go wrong and it's okay. You're not going to achieve every goal. You're not going to knock it out. Not everybody's going to like you. Some clients won't like you. Some clients won't hire you back. Some will fire you and you may lose your job. But you never stop grinding. You never stop planning. You never stop thinking. You never stop growing. And you never stop trying to provide value and impact to the people around you and the clients that you have in your community. And don't look at some... Now, I, you know, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say, don't look at somebody and look at them and look in their heart and, 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 get, and get connected with them and say, I'm sorry. I think that you need to. I think that if you wrong people or do things or that things that you are regret. Listen, last week, I, I coached a basketball game a week or so ago against a very, we, we are a decent team. We played a very good team. And I was really hard on a couple of the kids. And... I felt even though we won, I felt really bad and it bothered me. It bothered me that, you know, man, we won, the kids did, but we should feel happy. All this sort of, it doesn't matter. Those kids need to have fun playing basketball. 
They need to have a fun experience in their youth and to have some grown man hammering down on them about some sort of summer league game that really doesn't matter at all is inappropriate. And I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how I reacted. I didn't like how I made, uh, I didn't make those kids love the game of basketball like they should. So a day later, because I didn't have the number, I got on the phone with their parents and said, hey, listen, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay to say you're sorry when you mess up and when you set expectations and you don't meet them and you don't, uh, and you, and you don't, you don't perform in the manner in which that you would like to. It's okay. So all that being said, you know, the batter, battle of Winterfell struck me with that. This one character looks at him and says, I'm sorry. And he says, don't be sorry. It is why you are where you are. And essentially what he says is, it's okay. It's why you are where you are. And that is home is what he said. It is home. And that, you know, and that, that actually meant something in the story, which was pretty cool. So I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones. There's probably, you know what? I was with a client, not to have too much of a transition, but, you know, maybe we should put a, 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 we should put together a talk that we could go on the conference circuit with, and it would just be the things we learned from Game of Thrones uh, to run our teams and leadership. But there, I was with a client a month or so ago. And when we started talking, I said, you know what? I watched Game of Thrones last night. And I'm telling this group of 20 or so people with a client and asked, you know, who likes Game of Thrones, who who's follows it, all this sort of stuff. And more than half uh, of the people raised their hand. And I was like, you know what's amazing to me about, you know, we were talking about building products and building teams and building culture and uh, that in the software world. And I was like, I was thinking of, you guys, this group, I was thinking of you last night when I was watching Game of Thrones. And they chuckled a little bit, and I was like, here's why. And I was thinking about teams. Not just them, but teams. If you run a team, if you're an athletic team, if you're a software team, or if you're a sales team, think about this. And this is the only story I told, and I didn't tell it well. I wasn't terribly articulate with it, but there are scenes, many scenes, you can find this anywhere in the Game of Thrones. I just kind of painted one picture. And it's not spoilers or if you've never watched Game of Thrones. But at one point, there's a bunch of people in a bunch of boats. And they're taking these boats to attack a bunch of people in a castle. Right? No spoiler alerts there. Bunch of boats attacking a bunch of people in a castle. And as these boats approach, the camera is like, what do you call it? The hull? That, you know, below deck with all these soldiers. And they are all going to battle, to war, to die. And some of them are getting up and they're throwing up into these big, what that look like whiskey barrels, just filled with puke. And I'm sitting there going, they know their why. I know this all sounds goofy, but they are all bought in. Now, maybe they're being told or... They're, you know, being demanded, but actually, uh, you know, this story, they don't actually, they were, they were free to choose, I guess. Somebody along the way sold them on why it's important that they get on these boats and go attack that castle. And as I'm watching this Game of Thrones episode, I'm like, man, somebody sold it. Somebody stole the vision. Somebody sold the outcome. Somebody sold them on what this world, this country is going to look like when this battle's over and we win. And I'm like, man, they know their why. And they are bought into it. They believe in it. They know the outcome. They know their role. They know what this is going to look like. They know how they're going to be rewarded and all that. And there is, there's, like, like there's no hesitation with them. And I'm like, man, that, like, that's leadership. That's a team. That's, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, have Valerian steel, you know, and all this, and you're fighting for the throne, or if you're trying to win basketball games or trying to build software products, getting people to buy in, getting them all on the same page, getting them to a shared mission, shared vision, shared outcome. 
understanding your role. We're working with teams now where one of our primary things that we have to work on is role definition, who does what, who is responsible for what, who we can, what the expectations on roles are, like all that sort of stuff. And, and I'm dealing in software, but I keep thinking about athletics and sales and high level executives and basketball teams, knowing your roles. Like when we talk a lot about those things, but those were two things that I saw and it just popped into my mind as we were talking about kind of, you know, one, just Game of Thrones stuff. And, and, but I remember like, it's okay. It's okay with them. It's okay with what you've done. So, and what's, what's that? Uh, let me circle back to that, that initial Game of Thrones reference. Because we're all sitting around saying, I woulda, coulda, shoulda. We're all sitting in our cubicle saying, I could be that guy or that gal or have that responsibility or take that vacation and I can do this, but it's not my year. I've already messed up. I'm not included. Like, hey, it all sounds great. I've had this said to me. All sounds great, George, but I can't, you know, I'm very pumped up. I'm very inspired right now. I appreciate your message and what you've done. I've had that conversation in the past number of months. And they've also circled back and said, but I can't make that change here. I can't do that. We're not allowed to do that. We're just supposed to be in our cubicle. And I sit there and say, I get it. I understand it. At some point, if you're not fulfilled, you're not valued, you're not appreciated, you don't have a sense of ownership, there's no camaraderie, you don't know your why, you, you, you hate spending 50 hours a week with these people, with this product, with, those, with whatever, those clients, whatever it is. Yeah, I think you got to make a change. But no matter where you're at, no matter what you've tried, it has got you to where you are and you either throw your hands up and say, it's 2019, maybe, maybe 2020 will be my year. Maybe the next year, maybe 2020. It's April and I know for a fact some of you are saying maybe next year with whatever. But if we're just talking professionally, it hasn't worked, George. It's never worked. I can't reach that person. I can't make that... Uh, I can't make that impact. Nobody's listening to me over here. That person's doing X, Y, and Z, and I can't, they won't listen to me. I'm not, whatever it is, right? All our excuses, right? So let me quote my man, Jocko Willink. If you don't know who Jocko Willink is, he's a Navy SEAL. Uh, speaking of Navy SEAL, I'm, I got to circle back to this, but here's what Jocko says. I wish I could say it in his deep, grovelly, Navy SEAL, intense voice that he reads with but go listen to Jocko if you don't like military you know stories and metaphors he's not for you but he sits there and says all your excuses are lies and I've wrote that in my notes and all our excuses are lies and we're sitting there saying them over and over and over again to ourselves so much so that we have pre-built and default lies in our head that we are waiting to use and we hunt for the situation in our professional lives where we can plug in that excuse. Didn't go to that school, don't have that education, don't have a CS degree, introverted, nobody listens to me, don't have money, don't have resources, don't have a nice car, can't hold a, like whatever. See, I told you I couldn't do it. I told you I wasn't good enough. I told you I wasn't smart enough. I told you I couldn't impact that client. I told you I couldn't sell that car. I'm just waiting and there are lies, to quote Jocko. They are lies. So to go back to the Navy SEAL thing, I'm finishing two books. If you follow me on Twitter, I posted a picture of them. A number of episodes ago, I talked about Jesse Itzler. If Jesse ever listens to this podcast, here's my thing. This is what I like. I've, I've learned a lot from Jesse. Jesse, let, let, I, there's too much I want to say right now. I need to chunk it up. One, Jesse Itzler is uh, an entrepreneur. His wife is an entrepreneur. She runs a company called Spanx. He is a partial owner of the Atlanta Hawks, a basketball team in the NBA. He... Um, uh, he started a company called Marquee Jets, sold it to Warren Buffett, and I'm sure he sold it for a pretty penny. I'm sure he does well. So anyway, he's also an ultra 
marathon guy. He's an ultra athlete. So he runs like hundreds and hundreds of miles. And he's doing one of these ultra marathons with a team. He had just sold Marquis Jet to Warren Buffett. He had a bunch of friends. They were going to do a t- either a 24 or a 48 hour, I think it was 24, 24 hour run. Essentially, somebody on their team of four or five always need to, needed to be running on a track for, 48, for 24 to 48 hours, somewhere in there. So they were doing it. They had a tent. He said he brought in masseuses. They had Whole Foods. They had all this sort of stuff because he had just sold Marquis Jets to Warren Buffett. So he had all this money. So he's doing it, but over he looks over his shoulder and he sees somebody named David Goggins. And David Goggins is going to run this race of running straight for 24 hours. Does not have a team. Doesn't even have a team. It is him. Now, I want you to picture what an ultra marathon runner looks like in your head. What's that guy look like or gal look like? Okay. David Goggins is 350 pounds. Okay. Is that what you pictured? It's not what I picture. Right. I picture, you know, you know, I picture these thin, slim kind of, you know, Long hair, beards, Birkenstocks, hippie guys that are just out there running. Running, 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 right? Kind of like the very the scene that Forrest Gump's running in the Arizona desert and he's running up a hill and he's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people running behind him and he's got his Bubba Gump shrimp hat, hat on and he's got this long beard and beat up old ASIC running shoes and cut off shorts. That's what I picture. Bubba Gump. But David Goggins is there and he doesn't have a tent. He doesn't have a masseuse. He's got one jug of water and some saltine crackers. That's what he has. And he runs. And somewhere around 80% of the race or 90% of the race being completed, I don't know the exact hour or mile marker that he was at, all the bones in his feet are broke. All the bones in his feet are broke because of the pounding of 350 pounds over what could be 40, 24 hours. And the sucker kept running. And he kept running. And Jesse Itzler saw this. And this is what I like about Jesse Itzler. And I, this is what I would like to be. And it's funny because you could be, do, have anything. Anything you want in life. You just got to go get it. Jesse said this, I posted it in one of my notes or I posted it on LinkedIn and I really like this mindset. Again, this is not verbatim. Essentially what he says is this. I see people that are doing extraordinary things and are living extraordinary lives. And once I'm inspired by that, I want them, I will do anything I can to get them into my life. Is essentially what he says. So he says like, it may be goofy, and it may be crazy and may, people may think I'm a loony, but I ask to be their friend. He goes, I'll call him up. Hey, Jesse Itzler, you do X, Y, and Z. I want to be your friend. Like, I want to be best friends. Like, hey, I want to take you to cop, like whatever. So he figured out how to track down David Goggins and tracked him down. He lived in San Diego where the Navy SEALs trained, I believe, and said, I want to be your friend. So what happens, and I guess I got off on this tangent because of this book and because of what's impacted me over the past couple of weeks because we've missed each other. But I bought two of his books. The first book I read is called Living with a Seal. Just go, if you know Jesse Itzler, most of you probably do. Uh, just go to, or go to Amazon and get Living with a Seal. It's a, and it is a cheap book and it is an easy, easy read and it is a pheno- it's phenomenal. I'm looking at it right now. Living with the seal. What he did is this. Itzler looked at him and said, listen, Goggins, I need you to move in with me for a month. 30 days, 31 days, I want you to live with me. I will do whatever you tell me to do. And he documents everything that this Navy SEAL, David Goggins, who he just refers to as SEAL in the book, he does everything he says. So much so it's like in bed, asleep with his wife, three in the morning, 
Goggins comes and whispers in his ear, get up, time to go. Let's go run 17 miles in 15 degree weather. Let's go. Now, sprinkled with what we refer to here on outside from the cube or out from the cube as salty language, sprinkled in some salty language. So that is, that is, that book has impacted me. You talk about getting out of your comfort zone and not, and, and failing one day or not doing things and sitting around saying it doesn't matter. Just kick ass today. Figure out a way to just get better today. I woke up this morning and was fired up and I've, I've come up with some things that I'm trying to do in my life. And I, I'm telling you, I've struck out this morning. Woke up early. Alarm never wakes me up. But I was up at 4.15. Alarm went off at 4.25. I'm on the couch at 4.40 with a hot cup of coffee. And my plan was to work out to, you know, I'm reading a book from Robin Sharma that I finished up called The 5 A.M. Club, where it talks about the first 20 to 30 minutes of your day of getting your body going and sweating. And I believe that and I subscribe to it and want to do it. But the Folgers is hot at 4.40. And I got to figure out who won the ball games last night. Right? And I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what's going on in Jesse Itzler's world on in these books or on YouTube or how I can get expired. And I'm sitting there this morning going, go, go. But I don't. And we all do. So what? All right. 2019 is not over. I didn't blow my whole year. I'm just going to try a little bit harder tomorrow. Going to try a little bit harder tomorrow. So anyway, living with the seal. He wrote another book that I'm only 50 or 60 pages into. And he, that book is titled, Living with the Monks, M-O-N-K-S. So he went from a Navy SEAL screaming and yelling and cussing at him for 30 days and the noise that's associated with that and the intensity that is involved with that to living in an eight by six, what they label cell, where he lives in a cell with a bunch of monks that raise German shepherds in upstate New York. Talk about, you know, the difference there, right? between Navy SEALs and monks, right? So, but I'm only half, I'm only a third of the way through that. Two great books, but the books have really impacted me. One is about stretching your limits and getting out of your comfort zone and and getting up to bat every day and not making excuses because your excuses are lies, as Navy SEALs say. Getting out of your comfort zone and then sitting around 30 days later and say, shit, man, I'm a, I'm a capable of a lot more than I ever thought. Let me say this. I said this yesterday to a client I was with, and now it resonates and sticks in my mind. Jesse Itzler, that story I told you, he is running an ultra marathon. Not only had, was he doing that with a team, he has run other ultra marathons where it's been just him for 100 miles. Do you think that guy's locked in? Do you think that guy's driven? Do you think that guy's motivated and inspired to action? Do you think he sets and achieves every single goal that he wants? The guy built a company, Marquee Jet, sold it to Warren Buffett, you know, everything. Four kids, beautiful wife. She's an entrepreneur. He owns the Atlanta Hawks. You know, he's a big sports guy, you know, season tickets to Madison Square Garden to watch the Knicks play, lives, has a place in Connecticut, has a place in New York, has a place in Atlanta. Do you think that guy gets after everything he wants in life. Yeah, man, I wish I had that drive. But yet he spent 30 days, 30 days with a Navy SEAL living in his house because he knew he was capable of more. So this is what he did. He essentially got a live-in coach. I, and so here's my point. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter what you've accomplished. It doesn't matter the goals that you've crushed and the places that you've gone and been and the people you've met and the, everything that you've crushed in life. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It, I mean, it, you know what I mean. It, sure, it matters. And you should be proud and grateful and appreciative and really sit back and survey the landscape and say, shit, man, I've done a lot. And I'm excited about who I am and what I've done, all that. But what about sitting back saying, man, I'm capable of more. Man, I'm you know what? Look at everything I've done. Look at who I've become. 
And all I'm saying is, man, he got a live-in coach that pushed him to a totally different level. That would be sitting around and being like, like, who's the best player? Like, you, the best player in basketball right now is probably, you know, in my opinion, and I'm just throwing this out there, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, if you don't know, plays for the Golden State Warriors. He's six foot ten, and he is the best. What a what if Michael Jordan could have moved in with Kevin Durant, and Michael Jordan was in his prime, and just said, "Man, I'm going to take you to another level. I'm already the best. I'm already crushing things. I'm already accomplishing everything. I, I can get you somewhere else. I can take you somewhere else. I can make you better. I can make your team better. I can make this community better. I can." I can push you to places that you never even thought you could. Man, wouldn't that be powerful? Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to have that coaching? I was with a client in the past week or so, and we sat there and talked about, you know, what, what kind of stinks in my profession a little bit is we end up working ourselves out of jobs, out of engagements, out of clients, so to speak. People hire me to bring me in to work with their teams. And over th you know, two, three, six, eight months, nine months, we're going to make that team, uh, get that team aligned. Get them to have a vision and a mission and outcomes and have them more than anything else. I am subscribing to Simon Sinek's mindset of being on a mission to have people enjoy their professions and work and work. And so I, we're talking about that. And I was with this client. And we were talking about, hey, in three, six months, I know that we will be gone. But the reality is we always need a coach. Your teams will always need a coach, no matter how good they are. You will need a coach. It gives you a different perspective. It gives you a different mindset. It gives you a different opinion. You are so close to it. You don't see that relationship or that problem or that solution. So you need to sit back and always have another set of eyes. There's a great TEDx talk by a world-renowned heart surgeon. And, he's, and the title of the TED talk, if you look it up, is We All Need a Coach. And he was like, I'm one of the best surgeons. He may not be a heart surgeon, but he's some sort of surgeon. He's like, I'm one of, and this is not exactly what he says, so I guess essentially I'm making all of this up. No, but this is essentially what he says. I'm one of the best around, but I still hire the best to come observe me. I'm in a community where I know a lot of people. I know the best players and I bring them in to evaluate me so I can get another set of eyes. And when they evaluate me in surgery, I leave with 15 to 20 pages of notes on things I'm doing well, things I should consider and things that I can improve upon. And they give it to me so I can get better. You know, your eyes should be here. You grabbed the wrong tool. Your, your hand was not at the right angle. If you had it at this angle, you're going to be able to see that better in surgery. Like, I think those are like kind of verbatim things. Wow. Here's the best one in coaching. So I don't know how that sticks with you. All I know is Jesse Itzler was crushing life, crushing goals. His biggest thing is this. Here's two things. And I hope this, this again, I, I put the podcast together to motivate myself and inspire myself and to hold myself accountable to things because I'm sick of being in the middle. You know, but Itzler says these two things. Build your life resume, not your work resume. Build your life resume. And what's that look like? You know what? I don't vacation. I don't, I've, I've never been out of the country. There's people I haven't met, you know, all across this world. My brother, my brother's, traveled, you know, I'll never be able to catch my brother in terms of the amount of countries we've seen and the people we've met and the experiences that he's been able to have that I'll never have. And that's fine. Those are the choices I've made, but I've never built my life resume that way. When we're old and gray and my brother and I are sitting around on a front porch, he's going to sit there and have his life resume is going to be so impactful to him and his kids and his family and his community and all these other people, right? I've got to build my life resume. Build your life resume more than your work resume. And then secondly, and then Itzler's just all about the experience. Climbing Mount Washington. Not reaching the summit of Mount Washington up in Vermont, New Hampshire area. Climbing it 
and then getting so close to the top that one day they had to, uh, on a Friday, Saturday, they had to get off of the mountain and they didn't reach their goal, so they failed. So he climbs all the way down, then it goes home and it eats him up for a week straight. The next Friday, he's sitting there looking at his wife saying, we didn't do it and it's really pissing me off that we didn't get to the summit. And he's like, screw it, bought a plane ticket, flew from Atlanta all the way back up there, got together with his people and said, we're doing this sucker again. And they climbed it, they ascended, they got to the top and they did it in a week because he's like, that's our experience. That's our life. That's building our life resume, my life story, my life experiences. And man, I hope we're all doing that. Get those books, Living with the Monks and Living with a Seal. And just, you know, it's actually, it, I feel bad because when I read these, I highlight, underline, star, circle, fold pages, take notes in margins and all that. In every book I read, I do that. These two books, I didn't take anything. I took a lot, but I didn't write or underline. It just, I just read, I just read it and read it and read it and was like, man, this is a great, man. It, and it's, he's not that special. And I don't mean that disparagingly. Like, I don't mean that meanly. It's just a guy that just is driven. So David Goggins, the Navy SEAL that moved in with him, this is exactly what David Goggins says in some of his interviews. Goggins is labeled the toughest man in the, in the States or in the world. Right here, Jesse Itzler, living with a SEAL on the cover. 31 days training with the toughest man on the planet. Now, right, I understand that, right? You can say that, you know, but he's a tough dude. And one of his interviews, he was like, I'm not special. I'm not special. I'm not gifted. I'm just driven. I'm not special. I'm not gifted. I'm just driven. Man. Like, let that sink in. We're all in the middle. Itzler's not special. He's just driven. He's just focused. He isolates on one or two things and he kicks ass at it until it's done until it's the best it can be, until it's to his standard, to his level of excellence. He's not afraid to call somebody up and say, hey, I want, you, I want to be your best friend. He's 50-some years old. He's got more juice in his tank than I do. I'm 46. And I'm stopped because I can't sit there and say, man, I want you to be my best friend. <laughs> right? I, I understand the goofiness to that, right? But if there's people that are crushing it in St. Louis, the Midwest, Chicago. I'll tell you what, the guy I interviewed last week, Ed Molitor, if you guys don't reach out to Ed Molitor and reach out to him, you're doing yourself a disservice. And Coach Molitor, I hope you're listening. Because that guy's a badass. And you know why? Because in a one-hour conversation with him, I understood his intent, and his intent was service to people and trying to have an impact on the people that he comes into contact with. All our guests have been that way. He just happens to be the most recent. And if you don't reach out to him, and try to, and I know people that have, I have had people reach out to me saying, that's the best podcast you've put out. And I've reached out to him and coach Molitor's gotten back with me quickly. And now I'm having a conversation with them. Thank you so much for having them on. Damn right. Right. Reach out coach Molitor. I want to be your best friend. Right. And I hope you come to St. Louis and we'll take you up to the Hill and get some good Italian food. So listen, I don't know how that reaches you, resonates with you. I haven't put a podcast out for a while. I was really excited about this. I think about, I tried to do some podcasts as I commute. Some of my commutes are long. I have like a four, three, four hour drive to a client once or twice a week. And I'm like, man, I should just be recording. Those would be some long episodes. But again, if I can just get going, press record and there's people listening and there clearly are, man, I, I, I need to get more, I need to, Listen, the, take this away as well. For the people that say they don't have time, they're lying and they're making excuses. I don't have time for X, Y. I need more hours in the day. I'm gonna tell you right now, your excuses are lies, right? I have plenty of time to put out these podcasts. Plenty of time. I have plenty of time to line up guests. I have plenty of time to put out podcasts. I have plenty of time for our Why Wednesdays with Coach Jason Wells. I have plenty of time. The reason it doesn't get done is because I don't prioritize good enough. You all have plenty of time to get what you need to get done done. 
The reason you don't, the reason I don't, is it stops being a priority. So the people that say that, and I read that somewhere, that's not original or any of that stuff, but I, and I understand that you can have all this stuff that you need to get done and you prioritize and you're sitting there and there's still urgent things to get done and they don't get done. And yes, man, I wish this were a 28 hour day. I get it. I understand it. But you understand kind of that, the, 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 the metaphor that, that, uh, to that. You can get done what you need to get done if you prioritize correctly. I can get this podcast done and I can, you know what? As busy as I am and as these clients start to roll in and the people listen to the podcast are reaching out to us and wanting us to come in and do team alignment and team workshops and team motivations and all that and kind of do the things that we do, which I think we do really well. No matter how many clients roll in, I've got time for the podcast. I got time to reach out to people. I got time to return messages to people that have reached out to comment about the, like, I got time. And so do you, and so do you. So listen, I look forward to tomorrow with the Why Wednesday. I know that's long, that's 56 minutes. Um, I've really enjoyed this episode. There's so much, listen, I hope that you get juiced up every day about the great things that are going on, right? Doing this podcast is very therapeutic for me. Because, man, I'm super excited about these Jesse Itzler books. I'm super excited about these relationships that I have in my life. I'm super excited about my clients that I get to learn from and get to tell stories about and get to impact, right? And then when I say tell stories, like I get to learn from them and I get to kind of massage that in my head and try to figure out solutions for them and, t- and tell their story in my head. And like, man, that team can be great. They can do great things. We got to adjust this dial or have that conversation or have that confrontation. We need to get whatever else out in the open so this can be better. Figuring out what wins are. Figure out what your wins are. Figure out what your standards are. And those are things that we can go into the next episode because if I start down that hole, we'll be going for a while. Listen, I hope that the past year has been good for you with our podcast. I, there are people that have been listening. There are people that I know have listened to every episode and that have supplied some great feedback. There are people that, uh, that we did not know a year ago. You know, and we could go down the list of people. We've had some amazing guests on over the past year and with the past 95 episodes that have impacted my life and I know others. And it's just small nuggets, small little conversations, small little little themes that people slip in. Like, I hope that your eyes are open to the opportunities that are happening to you every day. Every conversation. When my boss sits there and says, man, it's just something psychological that happens when you chunk things up into small bits and you start getting shit done, is essentially what he said. There's just something psychological about that. Yeah, he's talking about software. You know what he's talking about? Just getting things on a checklist, making them small, making them bite-sized, getting things done, feeling good about yourself, feeling good about your team and getting things done and just sitting there saying, you know what? Yeah, it took 10 days. We got one thing done. You know what, man? Over the last 10 days, look at all the things we got done. We got like 35 things done. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter if they're small. Who cares? We got 35 things done. I'm excited about it. I hope you are too. So listen, I'm juiced up for the rest of the week. It's Tuesday. We usually do these on Mondays and I will make this a priority. If you know Jesse Itzler, so Coach Molitor, if you're listening, this is, this, I hope you have a servant heart. I hope that you just drop random messages for people. Gary Vanderchuk has a great episode. He puts out a ton of content. So you, it would be hard for you to find because it's embedded in one of his things and it was very subtle. Um, it wasn't that subtle because he spends a number of minutes on it. But he's like, hey, pick up your phone, go to your contacts, go to uh, the letter D and find somebody in your D contacts with last name D and just call them. Somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. And he does it. Picks up his phone, calls him and says, hey, man, Johnny, we haven't talked in a long time. Man, I just want you to know that I love you. I think what he says is I love your face. I love you. I haven't talked to you in a while, man. I just want you to know I'm thinking about you and I want you to know how much I appreciate you. Just a random thing. Made that guy feel good. Hey, man, make sure that it, it, do, it doesn't take this long for us to get back in touch with one another again. Let's make sure we reach out. You know what? Hey, call, call this number and let's, let's get together and have lunch. I think that's essentially what he did. And, and it juiced him up and he walked away from it. Man, let's do another one. Let's do another one. 
And I, what's that have to do with any of this is coach, like coach Molitor that was on our podcast. And again, go listen to that episode. He's reached out to me a number of times already. And the last message I got from him without me soliciting anything, George was thinking about you. Want to know what I can do to get a, a guest on your podcast? Who out there would you like to have on as a guest that I can help you with? Really? Really? Just totally unsolicited. George, I was thinking about you. I was thinking about your podcast. Is there a guest that, I, that you would like to have on that I can help you get? Wow. Really, coach? And we wonder what the secret sauce is. We wonder why some people are crushing it and others aren't. Really? I'll tell you why. Service and gratitude and appreciation, removing yourself, thinking of others, trying to figure out how somebody else's lives can be powerful and you can impact them today. That's, man, I wish we had workplaces like that. And I hope that we, me, can be like that for other people. So listen, I guess I'd, I'd segue that to say, hey, if there's anything I can do to help anybody out there, just reach out to me. And people have. I've got friends on both coasts that have reached out to me and said, hey, let's talk about this. What can, what can we do for this? How can we have this impact? What can, like, love it, man. Love it. Love it. Reach out. Listen, everybody get out from your cube. It's Tuesday. It's the second month of your quarter two. There's a long time to go in 2019. Build your life resume. Build it with experiences. Build it with amazing people in your life every single day as I'm doing. And man, just enjoy. Build your life resume. Get out of your comfort zone. Get a coach. Get your teams aligned and enjoy your profession. Get out of your cube. Have a great rest of your week.